Grow stories, life lessons, turning points, service to others, truth, no bullshit, adding value, no smoke and mirrors, being the pressure, third down and 10, win or learn, always the underdog with a chip on your shoulder. These are the things that I think about when I talk to this group. From service academy fleet leaders, NFL players, NASCAR drivers, tech gurus, private equity, small business, big business, to the entrepreneurs making the way of the future, winning at all costs with uncompromised integrity, paying the price of admission. Let's go. Jimbo, Jim Bottomley. Um, one of the supervisors I was blessed to, to work with and learn from, uh, born in Illinois, but raised in, um, Emlinton. Yep. Yep. So yep. Okay. Um, now a production superintendent at jet Palmer recycle living in Langston, Alabama. And he's got the shirt on already. Uh, <laughs> big Bama fan. And that guy, um, held jobs. You know, you know, on a couple of different occasions, um, as an equipment operator, um, moved on to Gibson barbecue, um, went from a cook to assistant manager and then ended up, you know, covering three different stores as an area manager type of guy. Uh, and the next one was, is really cool. Georgia state penitentiary. Yep. A level six max security prison on death row. So like managing that scenario. And, and for me, like, you know, way back in the day, you know, maybe a couple of years ago, three years ago, that was the attention getter for me on your resume, by the way, oh, really? that was the eye popper. I was like, Oh, there's gotta be a good story there. And I think I asked it, but we'll get into that further here in a bit, but, uh, <clears throat> on to Kohler. Uh, company for 24 years, machine operator, die changer, crew leader, uh, to production supervisor, maintenance manager, and then an area production supervisor role. Then on to KDP, Carrick Dr. Pepper, and now at Jet Palmer. Uh, hobbies are golf, karaoke, and uh, I need to figure out how I can get a ticket to one of those. So, uh, you know, just let me know where I can go see that in action one day. Side hustles, um, just helping folks around the, the campgrounds. You know, you're a RVer. Yes. Um, you do the RV thing and want to jump into that more too. But a bit of your background. Um, we'll cut over to memories. So I got a few. I got four four folks of memories. Uh, first one was Whitney McCoy. Jimbo's magic power is his ability to build a connection uh, with the people that, that he's leading. And there's a theme th throughout all of the memories from these folks on that. Um, he is very much in the trenches type of servant leader and was adored by his peers and employees. He's a realist. And I appreciate his honesty and problem solving skills when we work together. He's the type of leader you can count on to get the job done. And I 100% agree with that. Next one, uh, Denise Osborne. The first thing that I could think about is the relationships he built with his employees all right so the theme continues um he made it his mission to select the most challenging employees and change their perception about the mission about leadership showing them that they're valued and they can trust the intentions uh, 
personally cooking entire meals for his entire team, having one-on-one meetings that made them feel appreciated. Uh, his efforts made great strides in changing the culture on every ship that he touched. Uh, he was also a loyal Alabama fan. Uh, Roll Tide. Probably the, the biggest one that she's ever met. So, Next one, and, and the last two are Pierce. So folks you work side by side with across shifts. The across shifts uh, dynamic is definitely a special one because uh, when you can do that well, it is so powerful. So here's the first one. And uh, the guest that just released recently was Rebecca Riordan. Uh, anytime I ever needed help, Jimbo was the first person I would go to. And he would always he always went above and beyond to make sure that I was okay or that anyone on his team was taken care of. Many days I would come back to work just a little bit early so I could sit in his office and shoot the breeze. Um, I genuinely miss the life and and work conversations that I would have with Jimbo. He was always full uh, of wisdom and wit. Jimbo was one of those guys that can give you the feedback or constructive criticism, and you know it comes from a place of care. Uh, He cares about his team. He builds rapport with everyone, um, and he wants to see everyone succeed. Uh, last one from her, he was a great mentor um, and can be easily bribed with a Reese's peanut butter cup. <laughs> very true, very true. <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorites as well. Uh, so last one, Richard Clark. So Richard Clark was in our business um, at the time for a long time, and he was one of those guys that kind of came up the ranks just like you did and, and many other professions that you had before that um and, and y'all connected really well yeah we um off real good the first day <laughs> nice yeah it's that that shared thing right um he said ask ask you about how you like this dog <laughs> that dog is the devil <laughs> devil dog i hate that dog that dog, <laughs> that dog me up and down this is no lie before he before he moved to Florida, I went over to his house and he had a brick wall about four foot tall from his patio to his yard. And I would step on the other side and that little dog would run around and nip at my legs to get me to go to the other side and back and forth, back and forth. <laughs> would not leave me alone. I hate that dog. And mm. what probably So you think it, you think that dog senses evil or what? I, no, or I think no. dog's crazy like Richard Clark. <laughs> okay. All right. So yeah, all dogs are, are built the same. Uh, so he also said Jimbo was always on the floor and connecting with his people. Uh, he was a firm but fair guy. Like his people already knew when they crossed that line. Um, you know, and and you do what you had to do. Passionate with his folks. He was the only one that would go out of his way uh, to get less sleep and barbecue. First people, yep. You 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 have to you have to reward people. You know, everything that they do, even if it's something small, you've got to show that that little reward and that respect to them to earn the respect. And when you get that, they have the utmost confidence that you're going to back them as long as they're right. 
and they know darn well that if they're wrong, you're gonna you're gonna discipline. You know, uh, it's it's the same thing I do here, and it's any any production field. I've never worked in recycling before. I never worked in the bottling company before until I came to work for you. Production's production. It's all about numbers. It's about making the product for the customer. But to succeed, the best thing to do is know your people. If you know your people, you can get them to work for you and do anything you need done in that plant as long as you know how they are. You got to know how they tick. You got you got bad apples, you got good apples. You've got people that some people in the world would call their thugs. But you know what? I can relate to them and get on get in their head to where I understand where they come from and I know how to approach them. And that's how you become one-on-one and you get people to work for you. I did the same thing here. I work with a bunch of foreigners. There's Mexicans and Guatemalans. They don't speak very much English. I don't speak no Spanish. But yet I've turned second shift from a production of just in our grind department, for instance, they were doing 500,000 pounds a month. Second shift is grinding over 1.6 million pounds a month now. We have tripled the production in the whole plant in one year. And it's all about knowing how your people tick. You, you, get, you get inside of them and know what, what they need and what they do. And you can, you can make superstars out of everybody. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. This is where I, you know, turn it over to you and, um, tell us the story, Ben, my man. All right. Well, I guess I can give you, uh, the lifelong from, from young to now. Yeah. Young, the, the young part's important. So yeah. tell us. So, so I was born in Morris, Illinois, just about 60 miles east of Chicago. Uh, stayed there till I was seven years old. My, my parents got divorced and my mom moved us off to a couple of different states. I went to Missouri Valley, Iowa for a little bit and we, we landed in a little small town called Emleton, Pennsylvania, which is about 80 miles east of Pittsburgh. Uh, <clears throat> grew up there from the sixth grade all the way up to graduation. Uh, Rough childhood. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it's tough to talk about, but uh, <clears throat> yeah. So many nights trying to find a place to sleep. My step, my stepfather was very abusive. Uh, sleep down at the creek. Sleep in a drainage ditch. Uh, just it was real rough. Real, real, real. Life learning experience, I'll tell you that. It it helps you grow up. Uh, when I turned 12, I got told that all he had to do was provide me a place to, to sleep and food. If I wanted clothes, I had to figure out how to get them if I wanted shoes. So I went to work. Uh, I had three jobs when I was 12 years old. And uh, maintained the city sidewalks of Emilton in the wintertime maintained uh the grounds at the park you know they being a kid they paid you a little bit plus i had two paper wraps and you know just anything i could do to make a buck because i had to i had to put clothes on me <laughs> yeah, so, uh, that's probably a first 
um, for me in all these episodes. So, you know, so I did, I did play football when I was in high school and I had to, any, any, any extracurricular activity, I had to support that myself. But I was a 320 pound boy when I was in high school and football coach, he, my junior year, he like, come on, come on, let's play. And I didn't want to play because I didn't have the money. But he, told me, he said, I need someone your size to be aligned. So I ended up playing. I was offensive right guard. I was 320 pounds. Our center was about 310. And the left guard was about 290, 300 pounds. So our quarterback had about 1,000 pounds protecting him. Never got sacked. Never got sacked at all. And uh, so four years of of high school football and of course being that big it was you're not going to go nowhere in life i was told my entire life that you will never be nothing so when people tell you that that makes most people work harder so my main goal in life was to prove this person totally wrong and i was going to be something so i graduated high school May 5th, 1985, May 6th, 1985, I had my suitcase packed and walking out the door. Nowhere to go, but I was leaving. So I went to a little town called Erie. Well, it's not little, Erie, Pennsylvania. I went to work at a Presbyterian church camp uh, as an equipment operator. I worked there for maybe about a year and uh, 19... 87 January February I moved to Alabama my sister lived here and she said there's plenty of jobs my brother-in-law was in the military so he was stationed at uh, Redstone Arsenal so I loaded up my truck headed to Alabama went to work uh, as an equipment operator at UAH University of Huntsville in Alabama worked there for a little bit met my first wife you know it was love at first sight we were we got married we had a little girl i think i was just turning just about 22 after samantha was born and i had a stroke and the doctor gave me two options lose it or die uh so Samantha was probably a month, maybe two months old. And I said, she's not going without a dad. So I went on this massive diet. It was a low-fat diet, no more than 10, 10 grams of fat a day. Walked, exercised, and dropped down to 165 pounds in six months. And luckily, I've been able to maintain all but about 15 pounds of that at that <laughs> would you say that was more diet related or exercise related? more exercise i think uh okay. I, I i would get out and i would yeah at first it was tough because i was riding a tractor all day you know it's you don't get no much exercise but i would take my lunch break at uah and i'd walk the track and then walking led to jogging jogging led to running and then i started going to a fitness place and and doing treadmill and stuff like that so you know but when you get put with those two live or die 
it makes you think. So, sure. so yeah, we uh, I I did that, and then I had another little little daughter five years later, and when she was nine months old, I came home from work one day, and my first wife said, "I'm done." Uh, she went on with somebody else. I said, "Okay." I said, "Well, we'll go to court." And I said, "I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give up my kids without a fight." She said, "No, you can have them. Take them with you. I got more important things to do." So here I am with a five-year-old and a nine-month-old, and I ain't never changed the first diaper. I had no clue what to do, none whatsoever. Yes. Uh, Joni, nine months old. Mr. Diaper and I was living in a <clears throat> two-bedroom apartment in Madison. There was a single female that lived up above us. She was probably in her forties, <clears throat> and I carried my daughter upstairs like this, and I knocked on her door, and she said, "What can I do?" I said, "I don't know what to do. She's Mr. Diaper. Help me." <laughs> so, it's funny. But, uh, five and nine—that's yeah. the exact same ages that my two girls are. Right. Really? I'd probably done the same thing. So Yeah. So it, she showed me how to change the diaper and I'm like, I got this. I can do this. No problem. No problem. So got her uh got her squared away and then I realized I've got to I've got to make a whole lot of money. You know, I've got the two kids, but now I gotta pay a babysitter and I gotta support these kids. So, Kohler was hiring. I and, went to work. and Kohler is big, like farm machinery type of manufacturing, right? Like no. heavy oh. industrial, right? Kohler is heavy industrial. Kohler is a bathtub manufacturer. Bathtub. Okay. Yeah. So they also have. They're they are a nationwide company. Uh, yeah. The plant in Madison, Alabama, was a fiberglass plant. We made bath tanks, shower stalls. Uh, just stuff like bathroom fixtures, but I went in there as a I went in for an interview, and the gentleman that interviewed me, we got done with the interview, and he looked me dead in the face and he said, "I'm not going to hire you." I said, "Why?" He said, "Well, you don't have any experience." I said, "I didn't have no experience being a dad, but I'm a dad. I didn't have no experience at." being a cook and a manager at Gibson's barbecue, but I, but I did it. I said, give me a shot. He said, I'm not going to hire you. We're done. It's okay. So I walked out, you know, I was feeling kind of, man, my life is over. I don't know what to do. I got these two little girls. So I waited about a week and I called HR at Kohler. And I said, is there anybody I can talk to anybody whatsoever? I said, I applied. You you won't give me a chance. I said, let me come in and talk to somebody. So I went in and talked to an area supervisor. His name is Wendell Wilbanks, and he's my golfing partner now. Him and I, uh, we, we, he's, he had been at Kohler. He retired at Kohler when he was 62, and he started there when he was 17 years old. But I went in and interviewed with Wendell, and he said pretty much the same thing. He said, and he said, we just, you, you have no manufacturing experience. 
And I said, well, let, let, let me make you an offer. I said, you guys pay well, and, and that's what I need. I said, but give me a month. Let me prove myself. Boom, if in, well. If in a month that you think I'm still not the person you need, I will walk out of those doors, no questions asked. It's my fault. So he went to the HR lady, and the HR lady's like, well, you never had no offer like this before. I said, give me a chance. I'm telling you, one month, and I will prove you wrong. Yeah, I love that stuff. Like, give me a chance. Let me prove it. Yep. And if I don't perform, cut ties. Yeah. We'll go separate ways. So 20, 24 years later, I early retired. So, <laughs> so yeah, that, that, you that's, know, your, that, that's your long stint um, yeah. thing is color so yeah that's and the only, pretty awesome the only reason i early retired is you know i built the maintenance department up to a pm program they had they had no pm program whatsoever i got us to where we were just 90 95 pm complete throughout the years then when i went into the production area manager you know two million man hours safe man hours nobody hurt no injuries no nothing the strive to keep people motivated and work. And then Herb Kohler, the owner of the company, retired. And when he did that, he gave that company to his son and daughter, which is logical. Give it to give it to family. The bad thing was is they brought in a consultant. Well, not a consultant, but the, they they hired a VP over plastics that had never really dealt with plastics before so he and i didn't get along real well not not well at all maybe he was in the same boat like he, maybe maybe he had that same thing like hey if i don't prove myself in a month right, <laughs> right. Maybe. well you never know yeah so when we'd have a machine go down he would tell maintenance just leave it down and move that product somewhere else and keep on running and i'm like but i I built this. I this this is my house. I built this. And and you're gonna turn it backwards. You're going back in time. The idea is to go forward. So it just went on and on. I, and I told my wife, I said, one day I'm gonna walk in there and I'm just gonna early retire. I said, because I've I've had it. Well, the final straw was I was in the HR office talking to the the lady about discipline forms for an individual and he walks right in front of me talks interrupts our conversation talks to the hr lady and then walks back in front of me doesn't say excuse me nothing and respect is a big thing with me do not disrespect so on my, on my way home that night i called my wife and i was talking to her and i said yo me and him's gonna have a talk she said, just let it go. I said, I can't let it go. I've already sent him an email and said me and him's going to have a talk. <laughs> I said, so it is what it is. So that next day we, we had a discussion and I told him, I said, you know, I don't know where you were raised and I don't know where you're from, what your, what your back life is like, but respect goes a long way in the world. Please do not ever disrespect me again. Like you did yesterday by walking in front of me and not saying, excuse me. Can I talk to her for a minute? Nothing. You just butt in and do what you want to do. And I said, that's not going to fly with me. 
we are never going to be eye to eye if you continuously think that you're better than anybody in this planet because you're not. You're no different than I am. You might have a bigger title, but we're human. Yep. And respect is what you have to, you have to deliver respect. And if you want my respect, you got to give it. So about probably about a month later, I told Denise, I said, I'm just going in. I said, today's the day. And I went in there and I said, I want my early out papers. Let's get everything down on the table and I'm calling it quits. So, so that was that. And then I have to happen. Well, after, after I did the early out, I kind of putzed around at the campground for a little bit. And I told Denise, I said, I am never getting back into production ever again. I'm done with production. Done with it. Well, I got offered a job at Tennessee, Manchester, Tennessee, at, uh, as a site manager for a Nissan plant. And so I went over there and I was, I wasn't even there. I, I was there a year, just a little over a year. And fumbling through Indeed, and I see this Dr. Pepper. And to be honest with you, I did not know. I, I wasn't even looking at the location. I just saw Dr. Pepper. And I said, yo, what about some bottling? Maybe we'll try bottling. So I applied. I got the phone call for an interview. And I think the, you had me scared to death when I was going to have to interview with your boss. Because you yeah, told me you—it's it's a multiple-level type of deal. Yeah, so. you have to—you have to peel him back like an onion, is what you were saying. And I was like, "This guy's going to be me." Well, for people that I think that I want really well, I'm, you know, I, I want this person. I'm going to mm -hmm. prepare you. So to sell but, yourself well. But it actually went well. Uh, all the interviews went well, and I ended up down there with you, or up there, I should say, in Kentucky with y'all, and I. I I had a good time there. It was fun. But uh, in 21, my oldest daughter passed away. I remember and, I remember the phone call. And so I needed to be back in Alabama with my kids. And But, you know, I have told Denise several times, because she loved her job at Louisville Police Department. I said, if Samantha was still alive, I'd still be at Dr. Pepper. It was a fun place to work. Great, great people to work with. I said, Tony was a great guy to work for. And I said, but it, life happens. It really does. True. So I needed to be back here in Alabama with the three girls and get our family back on track. So, so we did that. We came back here and then uh, ended up at Jet Polymer. And this place was, was nothing, really wasn't nothing. And I, I and I, I don't say that I had everything to do with it, but they have a lot of young leadership here. And so they call me old man is what they call me here because they're all in their 20s and 30s. They're like, hey, old man, what do we need to do here? Hey, old man, come and help us with this. And there's, there's something about using your experience to, to help others that's just extremely valuable. I mean, yeah. that's why I bounced ideas off you all the time. I saw it. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I tell you, this is a, it's a, it's a small company. We just got bought out by, uh, advanced drainage systems and it's becoming a bigger company, 
but it's real low key. It's it's low key, but I don't know if it's what I want. <laughs> if that makes any sense, well, it uh, definitely does. I, I, I'm remembering the uh, the documentary now. Urban Meyer, uh, okay. head coach that came in and and took over the the Florida Gators and how he did that. Watching that, uh, just so many things resonated with me mm-hmm. and um sometimes low key's okay um you know at the end of the whole thing he's kind of like he's so caught up in winning with the winning team and at one point he's just like yeah i starting to be bad for me right. um but don't don't discount the low key that's all i'm saying right 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 and and it's you know our our plant manager, she's younger than you, and you're wait you're you're a lot younger than me. But our plant manager's thirty years old. Uh, it's a female. First time I ever worked for a female, but she's got her head on straight. Awesome. She uh, she got thrown into the job. In all reality, she went out on maternity leave, and then when she came back, the plant manager that was here went and opened up his own business while she was on maternity leave, and corporate was like. It's all yours. Figure it out. And she's done a good job. She's done a good job. She uh, she confides in me a lot, which makes me happy. You know, yeah. she's anytime. Like, like you said, she's got her head on straight. Yeah. So. <laughs> but when they have major disciplines, they won't do it without the old man. They always they always wait until I'm till I'm here because yeah. make sure that all, you know, everything is done correctly, I guess, is what she would say. And experience so which makes me feel good you know but it's never never ending rest uh your phone's ringing all the time you know it's but it's rewarding you know when you come in and buddy in the plant yimbo hey yimbo (laughs) so so it's good it's good it really is good so good stuff um, anything else on the story before I no, pull some I believe, questions? I believe that's it. All right, here we go. Uh, let's see, you know, from the, uh, memories, you know, all spoke of you well on like how you took care of your people. Uh, what do you remember of, of that time when you were taking care of your people in so, that scenario based off the memories? Yeah. So. You know, I guess a lot of people would look back, look at that as I'm trying to bribe. You know, hey, if we do if if we do a good job, he'll he'll cook for us. And but if he's not here, we don't have to do a good job. You know, I don't I don't do it as a bribe. I do it as a reward because this it comes out of my pocket. You know, you get you got organizations and people that have come. Yeah, I remember telling you like, hey, you just you don't have to do that on your own. Use your but, company card. <laughs> but I want people to know it, it's from me. Th- this is this is me saying thank you for everything you do to make this company good and make me shine. Because without you, I can't be me. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it. They don't. They know real well. They look at the numbers just like here every month. And they know that if their numbers are lower than what the expectation is, 
they're not going to get the free meal. You know, it's just point blank. And so they strive. They'll ask me every day, what did first shift do? Because we want to be better. We want to carry that championship belt that says best production. We've got a wrestling belt that is, it looks like the championship wrestling belt. Yeah. And it says, Totems. Yeah. And so they, they like getting their picture made with it and, and on the big screen TV in the break room. Hey, that's us. We did it, you know? And so I think that given a little reward makes goes a long way because it makes people feel like they're appreciated. And then the other thing you have to do at the end of the day, and, and I walk this floor hours upon hours every day, but I always make sure at the end of the shift to walk through and touch every single person and tell them thank you. Yeah. I appreciate what thank you, you for coming to work today. Yeah. And and so, you know, the first time you do it, when you come into a new plant, they're like, thank you for what? Thank you for what you did. You You helped us be successful today. And I appreciate it. You know, and then if you get someone that's had a bad day, so well, I don't know why you're thanking me. I had a horrible day. I said, but you did the best you could with what you had to do with. So thank you. You know, and so it they get so used to hearing thank you that if you don't do it one day, you get called out on it. Yep. Uh, I had to leave early one Friday, probably about three or four months ago. And each one of my departments has my personal phone number in case they need something. And they, I'm in a group text with each department individually. Well, I had this one department, the grind department, and all of a sudden on my way home, I'm getting these texts from this group that says, uh, we must not have did good today. Jimbo didn't come say thank you. And I'm like, holy crap. Did I miss everybody? And then all of a sudden the next group, yeah, we, we, were, we were horrible today. I mean, he didn't come and talk to us. Well, I had a call and I had to leave. So I pulled the truck over and I got on each group and I told them, I said, look, guys, you did a wonderful job as always. I had to leave because I had an emergency at home. I appreciate everything you did. And they were like, oh, okay, okay, thanks, thanks. They, they have, they, they want to hear it. It makes them want to come to work because they feel like they're respected and treated fairly. So. Gotcha. Good stuff. Um, something that Denise mentioned, uh, Osborne, was, you know, on turning around some of the most challenging employees. Any standouts for you? And you don't have to mention names, but like this yeah. person. So <clears throat> there was one or two at Dr. Pepper. Uh, we we had a wild child she and and this wild child did end up getting terminated later on but it was a it was a big challenge with her uh i know exactly who you're talking about already <laughs> yep it was a big we actually lost an hr manager for that yeah yeah person we did but you know what when when she found out that that i has i was quitting at dr pepper and the last day i worked she drove up to the plant and Andre came to me and he said, Hey, she's outside. She wants to talk to you. Why? So I go out there and she told me, she said, I just wanted to tell you, thank you. 
for helping me change my life. I'm like, how did I help you change your life? All I did was try to guide you in the direction that we needed you to be here to make our product. She told me, she said, I gave up the drugs. I gave up the alcohol and I focused on my family like you like you focus on yours. She said, I wanted to be a better person and it took you being an asshole to me to make me that better person. And I just wanted to thank you. So, you know, that was a big turn. And, and I still keep in touch with her periodically. She'll send me a text and, you know, I, I check up to make sure she's still holding her own and she is. Okay. Yep. So, so yeah, that was, you know, again, it's getting to know your people. You get to know your people. You can be very successful. You know, production's production. I, 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 I firmly believe that I could go to any production plant, something I've never done before. I can learn your process. That is the easiest thing in the world. The toughest thing in the world is learning your people. You learn your people, they will teach you what you need to know to learn the process. That's why when I came to work for you guys at Dr. Pepper, I told Richard, I said, I don't care about no darn paperwork. I want to be on the line. I want to learn the process. I'm going to work in every section of this bottling line until I know it. Does your current uh, employer use Workday? They do not. Nice. They do I not. I even apply to a job that has a Workday application. <laughs> I am so glad that they do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so, you know, you're, you're a diehard Alabama fan. Yep. How'd that come about to well, fruition? Was there an inspiration there? Yes and no. So when I first moved to Alabama, I was actually a Penn State Nittany Lion fan because that was right. my home. Yeah. Linebacker yep. central back in the day. Yep. So we played Alabama. We had a we had a contract with Alabama for ten years to play them once a year. And that contract ended, I believe, probably that first year, that first, maybe second year that I lived in Alabama. But my first father-in-law, diehard Alabama fan, and he and I would go back and forth constantly, back and forth about Penn State and Alabama when they're going to play, you know. And really the the camaraderie of of Alabama fans, especially SEC football. Uh, no better conference. The, right. Yep. And the close-knit, the close you could go anywhere. You walk in Walmart in Alabama and you got an Alabama shirt on. They don't say, hey, how you doing? They say, roll tide. That's how we say hello down here is roll tide. <laughs> so, but just the, uh, the respect that you get from other people because of who you root for in college football is just amazing. So I started following Alabama football, I would say in 1987 and really just dug into it, but I didn't dig real deep until probably late nineties. And uh, 
and now that Nick Saban is there, great coach. But awesome. Nick, Nick's the best, probably the best in all pro college. But Nick Saban's quotes, if you ever go online and pull up famous quotes by Nick Saban, they are so life learning. And I watched his story uh, on CNN about him when he was a kid and growing up. And he is just an all around great human being. And so I, I go a lot by a lot of a lot of his sayings that he, that he puts out his quotes and I use them with people a lot. It's like, uh, you know, superpower. yeah, it's like discipline. You know, people are always like, it doesn't bother you to discipline somebody. No, it doesn't if they do wrong, but discipline is not mean. Discipline is a culture change. I'm trying to change the culture of this plant. And if you have to do it by discipline to get everybody on the right track, then that's what you do. But at the end of the, the end of the whole era, you've got a group of hardworking, respectful individuals that will do their job and it makes your job easier and you don't have to babysit for 12 hours. And so, you know, it's uh, it, it's tough when you come into a new place and you start throwing that paper around because, oh, this guy, all he wants to do is write you up. No, it's not what I want to do. It's what I have to do. What I want to do is change the culture of this plant to where everybody is equal, has fun, and we make good product for our customers so we can continue working here and making a paycheck. Awesome. Good stuff. Um, we didn't, so you kind of skipped over in your story the uh, Georgia State Penitentiary <laughs> part. Um, so tell me more about Death Row. All right. So I'll, I'll tell you the initially. So I went to work that I was at Kohler in 1996. <clears throat> well, after one year of being at Kohler, you know, I, I, I begged and pleaded to get that job, but I was having trouble with my ex-wife. So I had some friends in Georgia. I said, I'm going to move to Georgia. And I actually started running when I got there. I ran McDonald's restaurants. I had three McDonald's restaurants that I ran for just a little bit. And a guy at church came up to me and said, hey, we're hiring at the prison. Would you be interested in coming to work there? And I'm like, are you crazy? There's no way. <laughs> I said, I got two kids I got to take care of. And then by then I was remarried again. I had two stepsons and I said, I got a family. And I said, it's just, he said, I'll tell you what, just fill out the application. Let's see what happens. So I filled out the application. I went to work there. And it, that if you, do you remember the movie with Burt Reynolds called the longest yard? Oh yeah. That, that movie was filmed at the prison I worked at. Uh, Adam Sandler in that? Yeah. Well, Adam Sandler was in the second, the second, uh, the okay. remake. I was thinking Nelly and Adam yeah. Sandler. But so. Burt, Burt Reynolds was the, the original one. But so anyway, I went to work there. And I tell you what, I think that place taught me more about respect than anything in the world. These are human beings that have made a mistake and got caught. But how many human beings are out there in this world that haven't got caught? 
they're just they made a mistake it happens but i was when i first started i worked in the tower and you basically someone's just running escaping you shoot to kill there's there's no wound uh this prison had no escapees and i gotta ask what kind of gun so i had an m16 okay yeah <laughs> and we had to be trained efficiently on this m16 uh he didn't want anybody that was below a 90 percent up in that tower so we went to the yeah, range. I mean, you, you can't mess that one up right so but should the circumstances it, exactly. require it right exactly. you, you hope it never happens yep so after about two months of being in the tower they had an opening on death row well i paid more i paid a whole lot more money so i talked to the interesting warden. i talked to the warden and i said uh you got an opening can i can i go there and he's like i don't know he said normally that's for the people that have you know been in the system for a while they get first dibs i said well i wouldn't mind going i need the money so it worked out nobody nobody wanted it so i went to work on death row and i had 59 death row inmates that i had to babysit uh we had some people in there that required six guards to escort them to medical or anywhere else that they had to go um so we had some real real bad apples in there and uh so i did that for a year at at the prison and Kohler, my buddy Wendell, he called me and he said, Hey, I know why you moved there, but I'd really love to have you back. And I said, Well, I don't want to be an operator the rest of my life, Wendell. I said, Eventually I'm going to get old. I said, I'll come back if you help me. And he said, well, What do you mean if I help you? I'm offering you a job to come back. I said, I want to learn every aspect of that plant. I want to know everything. You get you get something that needs someone needs to train in. I want to do it. I want to grow for me and for my family. So I went back, moved back to Alabama, went back to work at Kohler, and it was just like everything getting thrown on top of me. Hey, I need you to go learn this. Hey, I need you to go learn this. And I'm the, like the, the jack of all trades that don't know jack. Yeah. And so I'm like, oh, until, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I started training in different departments, the receiving department, the shipping department, the, uh, the place where we made the material. And I actually, the way Kohler does their pay scale is you reach a certain pay scale and you're topped out. There's no more, there's no more raises other than just your annual percentage raise. That's it. Cost of living. 2%. And so cost went, of living 2%. Yep. Okay. Yep. <laughs> yeah, right. So I went to the plant manager and I said, Hey, I guess I'm gonna have to go try to find me something else to do. They said, Why? I said, Because I, I I've topped out. You've got you got supervisors been here twelve years and aren't making what I'm making, but you you pay based on my output. And I said, and that's all great. I said, but now I'm I'm topped out. He said, well, what do you think about maintenance? I, said, I don't know nothing about maintenance. I mean, I don't know about these machines. 
He said, but I think you'd be a good maintenance supervisor. That's where the value is. Yeah. Really. So I went as maintenance supervisor for maybe a year and a half. And the maintenance manager quit. And the plant manager came up to me and he said, hey, I want you to go online. But I don't know all the aspects. I said, I've been working with the guys, but I don't know the, the whole system. He said, you'll get it. I ain't worried yeah. about it. Process PM. Yep. So I uh, I went into the maintenance manager position and boy, a lot of changes. Did a lot of changes. A whole lot. And then after we did that, the the, the production uh, operations guy came open and I applied for that. And then that's where I finished up my career there. But, you know, I lead back to childhood and the prison has probably taught me more in life about people than 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 anything else could ever do you know i yeah let's go back to prison okay all right what was your scariest moment <laughs> on death row so the scariest moment on death row i got in trouble oh. so i I had an orderly inmate, so at 11 o'clock at night, we let the orderlies out to clean the dorm area. You also have what they call a gate guard. The gate guard, if I need to open up a cell, I holler to the gate guard to open up cell 10, whatever, and he'll mash the button and open it up because we are segregated from everybody else that's in the main hall. So he was leaned up against the fencing coming into to my dorm and my orderly apparently he had done something to the orderly on, on my bin the orderly reached through the cage put his arm around his throat and was pulling him off the ground choking him now protocol you never approach an inmate by yourself you call for backup and you wait for backup this guy was fixing to die <laughs> the 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 security guard was so you had a breaker rule. Yeah, so I go into where he's at. I grab a hold of the inmate, and of course, I've already I've earned his respect, so he listens to me. And I'm like, dude, you don't want this. I, I know you've already got life, but you don't want this. You're going to go to the hole for six months. What's the hole? So that's solitary confinement. It is no no daylight, no nothing. We feed you. We get you a shower once a day. That's it. Make you crazy whole. Yeah. So he let go of the let go of the guard. Of course, the guard filed a report. You know, we have to we have to do all the paperwork. And the next day, I get to work, and uh, my CO meets me at the dorm, and he says, "I need you to sign this piece of paper." I said, "What is it?" He said, "Well, you." He went against the rules. I said, I saved this guy's life. This guy was, he was going to be dead by the time anybody came over here. We're so short staffed. By the time they got here, he would have been choked out. I said, so you know what? If, if getting in trouble for saving a guy's life is what it is, and that's what it is, I'll sign your piece of paper. I said, but I hope that the gentleman that almost died appreciates what I did for him. And so, you know, that was one of the scariest, but I'm going to tell you the, the sickest thing that I ever saw. Uh -oh. Here we go. Buckle this, up. Yeah. 
So we had a child molester and they always go into protective custody because an inmate unfortunate yeah an inmate will kill them because 90 percent of your inmates do not agree with abuse of women and children they are very protective of women and children so when we escorted a pc inmate we would call the gate guard and say hey clear the dorm we're coming through with a pc so when that, that process is, is they make sure all the inmates are in their cells, they're locked, everything's good. Well, the guard did not check to make sure everybody was in their cells. So I am escorting this inmate through to carry him to the doctor. And the inmate jumps out from behind the couch with an ink pen, puts it underneath this guy's eye and pops his eyeball out. And it was like holy crap you know you seeing all this this, this is like a movie it, it's almost like something you would see on on a on a prison movie and after he did it he took the ink pen and he laid it down on the couch and he put his hands behind his back he said i know that i just got an extra year or two on my life sentence he said but what he did he should be dead and that's all i wanted to do and i mean they know the outcome when they get caught, even in the prison system. What it's yeah. going death happen. row. There's there's still positive. Yeah, there, yeah there's no future. There's, there's no chance of parole. They, there's no getting out on the outside. Yeah, risk <clears throat> taking every single risk that you can in that situation as a death row yeah. inmate. So um, we had a couple of lockdowns that we had when uh, there was a women's prison that was probably 10 miles up the road and they were bad about escaping so whenever there was an escapee you have to lock them down and of course you got to hoard these men into their shit into their cells and oh they don't affect us it, it it's it's protocol you got to go you got to go so um based off of protocol were there any other non-protocol things that you had to manage through that well you know the inmates were bad about making homemade wine which <laughs> i have so whenever they would leave the chow hall they had to be frisked for fruit and bread so the the fire extinguishers that were along the hall were all water and if you put bread in there the yeast turns to alcohol after it sits and then they put fruit in there for flavor so if you ever seen an inmate walking through the dorm drunk, we had to go check every single fire extinguisher in that in that dorm area. See if to it make was it. extinguished. <laughs> so, but uh, you know, it's it's just uh, it. it I would encourage in there's there's a lot of lot of prisons that I don't know about now, but tours. I would encourage anybody to see if they could go take a tour and actually just sit and talk to some of these guys and listen to their story because they, they love to tell their story yeah there, there is if, so much if you've got any that uh want to share it that have gotten out i'd interested in getting yeah. on here so it, it's just it's it's amazing I, i've got uh do you see that when I, when i was at dr pepper that alabama <laughs> ball that i used to keep on the refrigerator i think so 
That was made by an inmate. That was made out of gourds, two gourds. He put two gourds together, and he made that for me. And I tell you what, there there is so much hidden talent in the prison system that they could be out doing something great with their life, but they chose to take the wrong road. So much hidden talent. Sure. Awesome. We'll keep moving. Um, how would you describe your overall, you know, character what was pepper experience? You you broke up there. What did you say? How, how would you describe your overall KDP experience? Wow. Can you say good and bad? Yeah, good <laughs> and bad. You know, yeah. I mean, so a lot of good, a lot of good. Uh, like I said, the people, people were great. Uh, we had some, we had some employee issues, but we did, we, we got a lot of that worked out. Uh, some, some people I didn't get along with very well, uh, in, in upper management, you know, not, not you, of course, but different people's different, different people in different parts of management, you know, uh, Arrogance is something I don't. I I can't get along with arrogance. Anybody that 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 acts like they are better than myself or any one of them on the floor, I just I can't I can't get along with that. And we we had one individual there that was very very arrogant, and I would deal with it because you had to, and I'd bitch about it when I got home. <laughs> so, yeah, but I, uh, I remember. Uh, but in all reality, the, the, the learning, uh, the people to work with the, the maintenance guys, uh, a couple of the maintenance guys were great to hang out with. Uh, we go, we went and played golf, Neil and, uh, Skaggs, just, just, maybe. yeah, Skaggs, Skaggs was a great guy. Uh, yeah, we just, we'd go, Neil was fun to play golf with, man. He was a nut to go play golf with, but yeah. he's a great guy great kid and awesome. then uh richard richard of course he was just richard it's so undamn predictable you couldn't you didn't know what he was going to do from one minute to the next <laughs> so. I, i'll say this about richard is he he was like you like a, a really good go-to when like something needed to be done he always yep. kind of made it happen so yeah that's why y'all uh y'all hit it off um, it, it, it's good that him and I still still talk. You know, you, you often wonder when you when you separate like that, is the friendship going to last or was it just a work friendship? And you know, it's just like like my birthday. He texted me. He said, "Happy birthday, old you old ass." And it's like, <laughs> okay, you know. And it's a uh, he came down to visit me last year. Brought his camper down and stayed for a week and Thanks. and hung. So yeah, it's yeah, all good. You know, kind of goes back to the the whole podcast theme of shared suffering, shared sacrifice, and um, the the bonds that you build during those times. Sounds like it's still going on, so that's a good thing. Yep. Um, you've had a lot of different work experiences. Is there one that stands out to you as the favorite throughout your career? Uh, you know, not really. Oh, uh, and. I guess it, they were all pretty much the same, honestly. It's it's what you make of it. So 
I go in, I think I told you in my, in my interview, one of your questions was, what is your biggest fear? And my biggest fear is failure. So if, uh, if I feel like I'm failing, then I'm not doing the company any justice. But I think that any place that I've worked, I think that I have brought togetherness from people, uh, which is, is something that, that you got to have, you know, Am I? I enjoy, I enjoy the camaraderie of, of different lifestyles. You know, I can, I, I can tell you, I was, I was terrified one day down there at, uh, at Dr. Pepper Uh-oh. because I, I don't know if you remember the gentleman that was, I just got back from vacation and they hired him and he was dancing up on the, on the pelletizer for line four. Yeah, I do. Or, and, and then I, I, I escorted him out of the building. And the next thing I know, I get a phone call. He's out dancing on cars and everything else. And this guy was a wild child. But when the third shift crew heard that he was out there still, the leads came out. And so it was, uh, what was his name? Is it Dante at the time? Dante, yeah. Dante. He's not a supervisor. Really? Yep. Well, that's good. That's good. But Dante came out there and uh, bam. And they were like, it's all good, Jimbo. He he, he ain't coming over here. We ain't going to let him come over here. And uh, we we called the cops. And, 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 you know, that was the same way it was at Colder when I would escort somebody out. I had a group of guys that would, they, they all called me daddy and, uh, you have to escort them to the parking lot and they would all follow behind because that's, that's, that's respect that you earned from these Somewhere. people. They're, yep. they're not doing it because, oh, he's our boss. This They're doing it because there's a friendship and they know that the, the friendship is, is work related friendship, but it's also outside the plant we could probably still talk to this guy and he's going to be cool with us. So I I would say Kohler and Dr. Pepper were the two places I've worked where I've built a good bond with the employees to where good enough that I felt like if I called and said, Hey, I need something, they would be there. There's still guys at Dr. Pepper on third shift that still text me and say, Hey, what are you doing? old man, you know, I'll be on my way home from work and they'll say, uh cj chad okay. yeah uh cj and chad they they'll they'll text me about once a month bam even though i know bam's not there anymore but they text me about once a month to say hey what are you doing old man and and, and so we'll nice. look back for about an hour so that's good stuff yeah good folks you know that's the that's the reward really yeah cool uh mentor you have a best mentor uh, you know, I would say as far as mentors, I would lead that all the way back to probably Kohler, Wendell Wilbanks that gave me that, that ultimate chance to That's... come back. Uh, like I said, he grew up there. He He started there when he was 17 years old and retired at 62. So... 
40 some whatever years is he was an old head and it was actually his job that i took when he retired so but he was the type of person and 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 you were too but he was the type of person if you're messing up he's not going to make a blasted scene in front of people he's going to say hey come in here let's talk and then he'd shut the door and he'd say this is what you're doing wrong i can help you fix it but this is what you're doing wrong and you need to straighten this out and let's 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 work on this and get it squared away and lead you in the right direction so you can be successful so i'd say wendell wendell was he's my hero good stuff all right we haven't talked a lot about the loss of your daughter yet Mm -hmm. um but i remember the phone call um i remember telling you like hey do whatever you you gotta do um what advice do you have to others that may have lost a child um during that time period or even today well i will tell you this people tell you it gets better over time bullshit uh that's your kid that's your baby it get better over time only the only advice you know i've had a couple of friends that have lost lost their children since and i simply tell them i know how it affected me i kind of know what you're going through i'm here if you need someone to talk to i can't give you that i can't make it better but I and you know you you got to you got to remember the good things and the fun uh my my youngest daughter sent me a bunch of TikTok videos that her and Samantha did together when COVID was going on. They both had quarantine and they quarantined together. And so you go back and you watch the TikTok videos and and the fun. You 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 remember all the fun times that you had. You know, uh my wife and I'll sit there and just watch these videos sometimes and it hurts, but it makes you smile. And and I know full well when she passed, she was in the happiest moment of her life because she found somebody that took care of her. Even though they'd only been married two weeks, you could tell by the video that she was happy. And that's all you want as a parent is for your kids to be happy. And that was the happiest I had seen her in 30 years. So I knew that when she passed that that it, it's good. You know, she was happy. But you got to remember, there's no more, there's no more pain, no more hurt for them. Whatever they were going through in their life that that they keep from their parents, it's it's all gone. So, and I still believe that she comes to visit us. Uh, I'm gonna send yeah, you. I, I remember this the story that um, I think you shared in your office, maybe. Yeah. So, yeah, so uh, the, the day I spread her ashes, I spread them on Father's Day. And, uh, you know, it was the last time that her and I were going to be together. So I spread them on Father's Day at the, down here in Alabama at the lake. She loved it down here. But the day I was spreading her ashes, uh, 
the third shift crew, you know, those offices are on sensors. If, if someone's walking in, they don't come on unless someone walks in front of them. They said that the uh, office light came on throughout the night. And then they noticed a figure get up from my desk and walk towards the wall. You know, that's uh, I know her presence is around and I'm going to send you a picture. I'll, I'll get it. My oldest daughter, we had a baby shower for her. And we had it at the church. There was uh, my stepdaughter took a picture, two pictures back to back of my wife, her best friend, my daughter, and her fiance. The first picture is plain. The second picture has an orb going across the top, and it's plain as day. Uh, my son-in-law's mom. We actually we did it at their church. She carried that picture to the preacher and said, hey, what do you get from this? And showed him both pictures. And he said, that looks like an orb, which is, you know, a ghostly person was was there. And so I, I honestly believe that she comes and visits through time to time. Uh, I still talk to her. You have to keep even though even though they're past, you got to understand they're listening to you. And. And I honestly think that the relationship that Sam and I still have, you know, it's every day when I say my prayers at night, I, I tell the good Lord to watch over like she was still down here on earth. So it's uh, it's just one thing that you have to deal with a couple of times a year, holidays, you know, no more Father's Days, no more Happy Birthday Daddy, uh, no more Christmas, it's, it's, stuff like that makes it tough. You know, you go 30, I wouldn't say 31 years because the first year they're not talking, but you go 30 years of happy birthday, daddy, love you. It's gone. So. All right. Uh, let's switch subjects. Sound good? Uh, your biggest current struggle today while you're drinking that Mountain Dew. <laughs> like what, you used to do. Yeah, I used to keep it in a cup. <laughs> 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 but, uh, no, biggest struggle, biggest struggle. I think my biggest struggle right now is time management, honestly, for my family. Uh, I'm too busy trying to help everybody else and working that I don't take enough time and I'm trying to figure out how to do it by keeping everybody happy. Uh, it's just, I don't know. If someone calls me and says, hey, I need, I need some help with this, I go do it. And I don't worry about the fact that, hey, you just got home from work at three o'clock this morning. And here it is, seven o'clock, and you're getting up out of bed, go help somebody do something. Then you got to be back at work at, at one o'clock in the afternoon and, and work till two in the morning. You know? And um, what's your price of admission? <clears throat> wow. So, you know, it's a, it's a daily struggle everywhere. 
in especially today's society uh you just gotta i've got five years left to work and i've got to do all i can financially which the you know it's just bust bust ass every day to succeed and and get everything lined up for uh that final day you know august 16th 2029 is my last day of working for a company i'll piddle with something but you know i feel that my price of admission has been the lifelong struggles of being out on the street not knowing what what i was going to be able if i was even going to be able to make it <clears throat> it's people like you uh wendell that give gave me the opportunity to prove myself i know that i know that i'm a good good supervisor i know that that i work hard at everything i do and i give 110 120% but there comes a time when you've got to take care of you you know uh if i could ever learn to say no i'm not going to help you it'd probably be better off but i can't do that you know i've yeah there's a little bit of that in time management it it's uh unfortunately i just like i like to i like to help everybody possible you know and and denise gets denise gets upset with me quite a bit you know she'll be like you haven't had no sleep you you've been up 20 hours but this little old lady that lives in the campground she's got to walk i've got to go help her, you know and and it's it, sometimes you can just be too damn nice but i don't want to be Come on. I, I guess i feel that i have to be nice because of how i grew up you know i grew up in a shitty shitty world the the timeline was great the 80s were great but back then if there was no such thing as child abuse back then i can tell you january 1st 1982 new year's eve new year's day i woke up laying in the middle of the dining room floor because i got knocked out by my stepfather and had no clue where i was what happened but they all went and partied and i was laying there unconscious for how for however long because he hit me in the head in the in the temple and knocked me out cold you know that's the type of life that i grew up and i want to make sure that people in this world that you know, if, if they have that issue they can come to me and talk to me I, i'll help you 100 percent. but <clears throat> i'm afraid that if someone goes without something like i did even if they're older than i am that that's wrong nobody should have to go without anything you know if if i've got a dollar and you need 79 cents i don't give you 79 cents i'll worry about me later i can go make another dollar somewhere you know it's uh just society today is sh so shitty compared to what it was way back when you know you could go you could go to your neighbor's house and get a glass of milk and cookies when you were a kid nowadays very very selfish yeah 
mean, this this whole world has turned into just chaos. So, uh, it, it's. It, I want to make sure that my grandson, that was just born, I think he's five months old now. I want to make sure that he and my other three grandchildren have the perfect life. So I'm I'm putting myself out on the edge to make sure that they have what they need. You know, my daughter says, Daddy, I ain't, I, I, we just don't have this. Okay, well, I'm going to make sure you got it. If I have to go pull 15 campers next week to get you some extra cash, and that's what I'll do because he will not go without. You kids didn't go without. I'm not going to let them go without either. If I have to do what, whatever it is I have to do to make sure that he has the care he needs, he'll have it. And you can bet your dollar that when, when, when Poppy dies, at least they'll remember, hey, Poppy sent us a card every year at Christmas, birthday. We needed something for school. He took care of us. And that's what I want to go down as the person that everybody says he was a hell of a guy. And there's no doubt that people will say that. So, uh, no doubt in my mind. Uh, so what's next? What's next for you? What's, well, uh, the, the five-year goal. I mean, you talked about retirement, but yeah. So I talked to my financial advisor at Edward Jones. Uh, matter of fact, two days ago, I've had an account with them for, uh, since 1989. And of course with the market, you've, everybody's lost money, but they were just doing just casual, casual marketing. But with the five years, I called him and I told him I, I need to go aggressive with my money. So, yeah, we're we're planning on. I've got a pension from Kohler that I can draw when I'm when I'm sixty one. So, pull that, and then I'm just gonna piddle around at the campground, work security or something like that. Denise still has to work a couple of years because she's young. She she's on she's only fifty two years old, so she's got to work until. So I saw her, you can cover my insurance. I'll be good there. And then, uh, Marcus she, the same thing right now, actually. Yeah. My wife <laughs> just went back to teaching. So, yeah. but once she retires, we're going to travel. <clears throat> uh, we've got, uh, we're full-time RVers. We love the lifestyle. It's, you want to go on vacation. Everything you, everything you need is in your camper. You just back up, hook I up. And go. I skipped one of my questions was, uh, what do you like about the RV life? the relationship so okay. i know you live in a neighborhood and 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 we did before we went full-time RVing. i like to talk i like to be around people so when i'd come home from work and we had the house the neighbors would come home they'd pull the car in the garage they'd shut the garage door and unless they were cutting their grass you didn't see them at a campground you see somebody every day if you need something, you can call anybody and they'll come help you. Uh, here's a for instance story. I was at work at Nissan and I had to leave at two in the morning every morning to go to work. Denise called me and said, hey, you know, it, we had, it had been raining a lot. She said, I backed out and I got the car stuck. I said, well, hell, I'm an hour and a half away. So 
I called one of the maintenance guys at the campground and I said, Hey, Denise's car stuck. I know it's early. No problem. We went and got the tractor, pulled her car out, off to work she went. And it was pouring down rain and this guy's out there doing it with no worries at all. That nice. that's that is the camping lifestyle. You know, everybody knows you. My wife and I actually got king and queen for Valentine's. We are the the year king and queen Valentine's for for the campground. So, you know, they have this nice. big everybody votes on who they want and this is a campground that has when it's full 400 campers now that that's the respect that that i have gotten and my wife have gotten from the people that at the campground that that many people would vote for you to be the king and queen because of the respect that that they have for us Kind of, you know kind of starts at home right yeah they've got they've got their own little facebook page and and denise is funny because there's three three old women she calls them my pimps but it's because if someone says hey i need this done do you have any idea who can do it and the first thing they'll do is they'll put jimbo bottomless and then i start getting messages from people hey i said you could do this can you come and look at it and so denise is like they just pimp you out <laughs> yeah, you sounds like you're definitely busy and ties into your biggest current struggle. So. It does, it does, you know. But I did, I did make her a promise that tomorrow I ain't doing nothing. Me and her, awesome. are gonna, we're going to do whatever, whatever she wants to do this weekend. Uh, you know, we do have to go see. You know, my father-in-law lived in Florida, and I had to move him to Alabama in a nursing home. He. uh they, they put him in a nursing home last year, and it was a struggle. Every other weekend, I was driving to Tallahassee, Florida. What for age, Alzheimer's? No, actually, he's very witty. Uh, he lost all circulation in his legs, okay. so he can't, can't, he, he can't take care of himself. Gotcha. So we, we had him in a nursing home in Florida, and like I said, every other weekend, I was, I'd get off work Friday night at 10 o'clock, and I was up at six o'clock Saturday morning. I was driving eight hours to Tallahassee, Florida, getting stuff done, turn around Sunday, come back home. And he he told us, he said, I want to come to Alabama. I want to be there with y'all. Like, okay. So I told he's he's a big Auburn fan. Oh, he, oh no. Yeah, he graduated from <laughs> Auburn. He got three degrees at Auburn. Yep. So and uh I told him, I said, Well, don't the only way you can come to Alabama is if you promise me you wear Alabama hat. And he's like, hell no, I ain't doing that. But it's funny, the nursing home we put him in, it's a privately, privately owned, and the owner is a diehard Alabama fan. So on the, on the walls, <laughs> in the whole nursing home is nothing but happen. Alabama pictures. And <laughs> he's like, Jesus, criminy, I got to deal with this Alabama shit all the time. <laughs> but Yeah, it's probably uh... – Keeping his heart pumping. Yeah, so. but but he's twenty minutes away versus eight hours. So if he needs something, I can stop on my way to work. You know, it's uh, it's it's good. And and Denise awesome. needed Denise needed him being here. Cool. Well, I think this is it. Um, it's wrap up time. Um, obviously, tell 
Denise, thank you. Uh, I think she was actually the one that gave me that call that one day. Um, but, and really appreciated like everything that you've done, uh, taught me and, uh, good convo tonight. So I, I I appreciate it It was, it was a fun experience. I, I tell you, I was nervous, but then, you know, Rebecca, Rebecca sent me a text and she said, uh, I think it'll be interesting to hear you and Tony talk. I bet there'll be some bullshit going on. <laughs> I'm trying to keep the, the BS on the down low right now as, uh, you know, as, as I'm searching, uh, right. but, um, nothing but good value out of this conversation for sure. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I so. told my, I was doing this tonight. I said, now, if you want me to, I, I, I'll go off premises. She said, no, just go in the conference room. You got your phone with you. You're good. You're good. And uh, so. Yeah, you're at work right now. Yeah, yeah, I'm at work. I, I got another three hours and I can go home. So. Well, it's, uh, you must have good leads. You must well, have built a good team. Yeah, so that's the thing. You know, I can I can actually do a lot of office work and, and, and stuff to, to help keep the business side going and not worry because these guys that really they they've come a long way you know like i said we've we've tripled production and and i'm not going to say that i take all the credit but damn it i'll take at least 50 percent of it (laughs) (laughs) that's a that's a beautiful thing um you are on your way for you know the next five years or whatever you got a lot to be proud of so all right. Have a well, good I, day, I guess, I, as you close I, out the shift. Yep. I appreciate it, my man. It's good talking to you. Likewise. <laughs>